everyone. This is Molly Douthit. And David Douthit. Welcome to More Than Hearing, a podcast to encourage preachers to use multiple intelligences in sermons and worship leadership, because there are plenty of ways to reach someone's soul. Today we're covering Math Smart and People Smart for the lectionary selections for the fifth Sunday in Lent, Year C. The watchword for the psalm and Isaiah is joy brought about by God's faithfulness. Paul writes to the Philippians that they should not rest on their laurels, but keep running the race until it's finished. And in John's Gospel, Jesus is anointed, and Judas objects. We hope you won't object to the illustrations and special effects we have for you today. This podcast is based on Dr. Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences. Dr. Gardner suggests that there are multiple ways to learn, process, remember, and understand our world. Each week, centered on the weekly readings of the Revised Common Lectionary, we develop illustrations and special effects using various smarts based on Dr. Gardner's identified intelligences. Over the course of four weeks, we will cover Word Smart, Eye Smart, Math Smart, Body Smart, Music Smart, Nature Smart, People Smart, and Self Smart. You could read more about Dr. Gardner's work by clicking at the link at the top of our webpage, morethanhearing.org. Join us as we explore ways these intelligences can be utilized for a deeper appreciation of God's Word. Then we encourage you to try it yourself. Anytime and any way we can make use of the different smarts, we give people greater access to the Word of God so they can acquire it, process it, and internalize it in ways that make sense to them. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome here or welcome back. We are looking at two intelligences for uh, Year C, Lent 5. We're going to be looking at people and math smart. If you would like to see what we did with all eight intelligences, you could go to our website, www.morethanhearing.org, and scroll down on the archives on the right side to March 2016 and find Lent C year (laughs) 5. Lent Lent Lent, 5. Lent 5 year C there and see what we did. We did manage to come up with something for all eight intelligences. Today, we're only emphasizing two, like I said, people and math. I'm looking at people smart. Uh, People smart is the ability to understand and enjoy people. And this is different from being an extrovert. An extrovert is somebody who's energized by people. It's sort of like they have to plug into other people in order to be recharged, which is different from people intelligence in that this person understands other people. They can see their motivations. They can perceive their emotions. They pay attention to body language and facial expressions. And so they can pinpoint pretty accurately where a person is emotionally and make some pretty uh, accurate guesses as to where they're going to go with that emotional load what direction they're heading into. Uh, and shape which direction. And shape they can and, manipulate right, them right. If, uh, and, well, for good or ill. Uh, I don't know if I would say manipulate, maybe well, encourage in a particular path. Yeah, yeah. Prophets might have might have been uh, people smart people. I, I was not putting a value judgment on manipulation. <laughs> okay. 
Shaping. 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 There you go. Uh, a person who is inter- interpersonal learns best in, in, a, in a learning setting when other people are around, whether through games, teamwork, or cooperative learning lessons. And so keeping that in mind, that might be something you include in worship services. In a worship setting, this person is probably going to love being in the choir, especially if the choir or praise team is about making a joyful noise and not necessarily about presentation. They just like being there. Uh, this person is also going to enjoy the scripture presented as a story uh, with all the inner motivations and drama of the people involved in that. And they would probably participate if that story is presented uh, in a dramatic way. Um, these people are also probably pretty good counselors uh, and pastors. And small group leaders. And small group leaders. So small yes. groups. There yeah. you go. Yeah. For math smart, the ability to work with numbers, formulas, and logic is at the root of all of this. And so mathematical, logical people enjoy charts, graphs, equations, statistics, logical constructions, and arguments. And while we usually confine our number crunching at church to operations and budgets and attendance figures, there are plenty of mathematical relationships in the stories and parables of Scripture that can preach mathematically. They can be translated into equations and such, and relationships that can be graphed or or charted mm-hmm. and diagrammed. Mm-hmm. And all of those things will light up for the math smart person. Oh, big time. So logical arguments in your sermon will also connect with them because that's another part of it. So uh, uh, if thens and mm-hmm. and if a lot of if then pull. not, mm-hmm. right, right, <laughs> right. Um, uh, computer programming sorts of language would also work. For our podcast, we tend to include references to the law here because of the logical structure of it. Uh, But we also include science and technology examples, which makes for a lot of fun for the special effects when you can pull those in. Uh, Science and technology kind of falls in. We don't know where else to put it. (laughs) It works well here. Yeah, right. All the sciences except biology. That that goes into nature. Yeah. Yeah. So feel free to uh, use what we have here today, but also explore the other six intelligences, and you can learn more about those at the website, and then uh, jump in and be creative and let us know what you're doing. Be smart. Okay, let's look at the texts. The gospel lesson for year C Lent 5, I'm really having a hard time remembering (laughs) what this is, is John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. We've suddenly leaped out of Luke and we're into John. This is the story of Jesus' anointing at the home of Martha and Mary and Lazarus in Bethany. While he is at dinner at their home, Mary brings out a, a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, and she anoints Jesus' feet. The house is filled with the fragrance of the perfume, says John's gospel. And Judas objects to this. And uh, John gives a parenthetical reason for it, being that he was a thief and uh, would have instead used that money to enrich himself that, you know, they could have sold. We'll just let John go with that interpretation. People, smart people will love that. Um, But Jesus (laughs) at the end of it says, leave her alone. She bought it so she might keep it for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Hmm. Well, this is an awkward dinner. (laughs) 
And uh, so you could probably illustrate this by finding examples of awkward dinners in movies and television and and books and maybe mm. even your own personal history. I have a link to a uh, uh, the the dinner the birthday dinner in the movie Mrs. Doubtfire, where uh, oh uh, Dan, at the restaurant right yes where yeah. uh, he, the Mrs. Doubtfire and her alter ego Dan I think yeah sure. uh, are at the same restaurant and. Um, it's it's it, it ends not terribly well, <laughs> um, but that's just an example of an awkward dinner. Uh, there are I, I actually looked up a, a link to thirty different awkward dinner scenes mm. in movies. Uh, you don't want to use some of these in a worship <laughs> setting. Trust me. Um, but you know th- that's kind of the whole drama of of people gathered over a meal is sometimes it doesn't go well. I, I'm thinking of. My big fat Greek wedding. Oh there, yeah, that's there are a great couple, one. Yeah, a couple of different ones. That would there. be a yeah. good one. Yes. Uh, so there, there's some ways of of illustrating that. Um, you could also even look at this parenthetical reason that John gives for uh, Judas Iscariot objecting to um, what Mary is doing here. Uh, I mean that that just feeds right into people smart is right there in the text. There's some motivation right, being right. presented. Now you could also read into that ta- that text is John's motivation about Judas. You know, what's his motivation about Judas and in including this? So you just kind of get layer upon layer upon layer of motivation here. Yeah. So for a special effect, let's look at the drama in the story. It centers around Judas' objection to Mary's actions. So break into the, the congregation into smaller groups and have them discuss these questions. The first question, uh, what are Mary's motivations for washing Jesus' feet? And you might have to read back into John a little bit to figure that out. Uh, maybe somebody will connect with it from their own personal story of being great, grateful to Jesus for what Jesus has done in their lives. Uh, the second question, what is Judas' motivation for objecting to it? And what are yours, if you have any? Mm-hmm. Because there mm-hmm. is a good argument there. That was really costly stuff. And in a way, it's being wasted by spreading it all over Jesus' feet. It could have been sold and give the money given away. And the last one, what does Jesus' response mean to each of them in the story, to both Mary and to Judas and to you? Mm-hmm. Cool. Going on to Math Smart, I'd encourage you to take a look at the worksheet on this text from our show in 2016 for what I think is the most obvious math in the passage, which is converting the cost of the nard perfume to today's, today's money. Yeah. It was a fairly um, significant number, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, having made that reference, I went ahead and figured it out again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, I, I found a, uh, a page at uh, the Economic Policy Institute website that gives hourly wages mm-hmm. uh, for several years. And uh, the Economic Policy Institute is a think tank that's trying to promote a more equitable economy in the mm-hmm. United States. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can figure out uh, uh, 300 daily wages, which is a denarii mm-hmm. in a denarius in some figures. And if you can figure out 300 daily wages for 2018, it comes out to be somewhere between 24000 and $44,000 hmm. for 
unskilled workers, probably at the lower end of the scale mm-hmm. and lower uh, unskilled workers would be the ones who get in areas. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, th- I've got a chart uh, here on this year's worksheet that shows that um, distribution for the different percentiles of hourly wages uh, in 2017 and 2018. And so um, graphs, people, math smart people love graphs. Mm -hmm. And then I also have a little spreadsheet for it. And um, that'll also play pretty well. Um, I also found a, a link for some history of the denarius, including estimates of its current worth. And another way of thinking about its worth is the amount of silver that it has in it. Mm. And by silver content, it works out to be about two U.S. dollars. Mm-hmm. So the 300 denarius would be about $600. That's a lot of money for some perfume. That's, that's still, yeah. Yeah, There are those that wouldn't blink at that, but right. for most of us, that's... That's, that's still know, a good yeah. chunk of change. It's uh, yeah, That's a car payment or two. Right. <laughs> Depending on your car. Yeah, or three. Or three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. Um, and I also discovered that denarius is a cryptocurrency. Oh, get out. Seriously? A virtual currency yeah no kidding yeah uh, which is currently worth somewhere between five cents and 18 cents us that's probably more in line with what it was actually worth in the day uh yeah probably um so that gets you 300 denarius is 15 to 48 dollars huh which is not a huge amount and that's for 300 so, days of work 15 yeah. to 48 dollars yeah so Man. i i don't i don't think that is uh, I think that's a lot lower, probably than what it would have been. What it would have been hmm. uh, functionally in, in the economy. Okay. So anyway, there there's some there are lots of different ways to figure out how much the that money would be. of it here and the numbers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, don't do like I have just done and don't spend too much time <laughs> <laughs> on all of that. But bring you can bring it out. Uh, but there are some other things about this passage that I'd like to bring out. So uh, Math Smart is also about the logic. And the passage contrasts Mary's compassion and humble devotion to Jesus with Judas' logic about cost-benefit ratios, uh, whatever his motivation mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And this is an ongoing struggle in the church to find the right balance between acts of mercy and devotion and compassion and the logical assessment of distribution of limited resources. Mm-hmm. So in this case, there's a pretty direct statement of which is the correct answer, although it's not always quite so clear cut. Right. Uh, there's also a logical fallacy that is often attached to Jesus' last line in the passage. You always have the poor with you, but mm-hmm. you do not always have me. Some people take that to mean, well, there's always going to be poor, so we don't have to worry about it. And that is the wrong conclusion to draw. Right. And not at all what Jesus would have intended, I think. Right. I think Jesus' re- reference to that is, the poor are always with you. How do you treat them? Right. I'm watching. Well, <laughs> yeah, it, it's like that should be part of your regular everyday mm-hmm. uh, assessment, thinking, yeah. assessment and, 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 and thinking of, of your finances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
But there are times when you have to do something special, right? And that's what Jesus is, right? And so this this is sacrificial giving above your regular attendance to the needs of the poor, right? Right. Uh, so and that's a very people smart, yeah, consideration, yeah. yeah. So for special effects, show the math in the charts that I talked about and that you can take a look at on the worksheet, and then invite people to consider the math of their own financial situation. What would 300 workdays cost for them? Mm-hmm. And what would they think to do with a lump sum of that amount of money? And would it include an act of devotion to Christ? Now we're getting into self-smart. Yep. Um, and we, a bit of, a bit of people smart too. Who's out there that needs that? Right. Right. Hey. Cool. Let's go on. The New Testament lesson for Lent 5 year C is Philippians 3, verse 4b through 14. Paul here is writing about his own life and ministry, Uh, where he says, if anyone has confidence in the flesh or reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And he lists all his credentials as a super Jew. (laughs) And and, uh, then goes on to say, whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. And so whatever he has gained, he counts it as being essentially meaningless or dross because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ and that he wants to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, and share in his sufferings and become like him in his death so that he may attain the resurrection from the dead. And not that he has obtained this goal, but he continues to press on to make Christ his own. Mm-hmm. So, um, looking at this from Math Smart, you might consider the things that give us confidence in the flesh in our culture. That is, various status symbols or stations and maybe assign point values to each. Things like car, house, job, college, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, tally those all up. And, you know, the more prestigious the item, the more points it gets. And then... um, (laughs) Landline only gets 10. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I I came up with a a list here of of examples. And so I did cars, college, house, location, job, phone, and TV. (laughs) I love your college list. (laughs) Harvard 100, Yale 95, Virginia Tech 150, and UVA 25. Yeah, well, (laughs) you know, your points may vary. (laughs) Um, Uh, David is a tech grad, by the way. uh, Yeah, yes. That's great. I love it. I'm sorry. um, Keep going. That's okay. Anyway, it's a totally random uh, or arbitrary might be a better way. Yeah, of you don't have it. to it's, use this list or, no, or no, these, no, no. these categories. Yeah, and, it's, and, it's just an example. Right, and right. I did geography from around our area right, right. here and right. so uh, for location. Right, but you can take a look at it and see what it what it's like. <laughs> you know, you can you can play it for for laughs that way. You know, just sneak in some some 
weird <laughs> figures. But like I said, it's an arbitrary thing. But you get a sense that there are those different levels of status. You know, oh, yeah, cars, totally. Uh, in totally. Particular. And that is what and, Paul was all about in listing that right, stuff. Is, right. yeah, hey, I'm at the top here. Yeah. Now, all of this is is basically secular neutral stuff whereas right. he's listing his religious credentials right. but right. you know but the you, same thing i mean he's, it's idea. still yeah right. still top of the top of the line there right right so and then once you tally up all the points then of course knowing christ is going to be uh, zeroes a, it all out right it's a, a several orders of magnitude higher than mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. right so for special effect you can uh, show a chart like I have a spreadsheet that I like I have here, but uh, be pastorally sensitive to who's in your congregation and their status levels and their reliance on mm-hmm. status mm-hmm. in this. Um, so make clear that your point system is a reflection of the cultural norms and not your own pastoral right. norms. And the point is to show how useless these status points are in the eyes of Christ. Right. Right. That's a very people smart way of approaching this. Right. And uh, uh, which is why I think I put it in purple purple. on my Mm -hmm. worksheet there. I see that. And uh, (laughs) right. So look at look at the worksheet. Download the worksheet so you can see (laughs) my my purple. Right. And well, and also all the charts that he has on his worksheet. They are very worth it. Uh, the other thing that you could do here is uh, pull out the old balance scales. Yeah. Uh, which is a, a favorite of ours. You know, the, the scale that has the two trays and um, compares the weight of each right. side. Right. And so you would set it up with um, uh, fixed boxes uh, for these different status items, which would have a, a, enough weight that it would show up on the scale. Mm-hmm. Right, but not a huge amount of weight. Mm-hmm. And so you stack up all these different status symbols so that the one side is loaded. And then you have a similarly sized but uh, much heavier, heavily weighted <laughs> uh, box uh, with knowing Christ and that put that on the other and it just. Yeah. yeah. Be know. careful where that's pointed. You might launch things. Right. Right. Uh, that would be a, a special effect that would show the uh, the relationships and, and mm-hmm. such. And so a uh, bit of eye smart in, mm-hmm. in props. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Okay. For people smart, uh, as David has already mentioned, Paul is the superstar of the faith, but he counts those accomplishments as nothing compared to knowing Jesus. And if anything, he now he com- compares himself to an athlete who is still after a goal. So that got me to thinking about athletes. And athletes, by and large, they compete with themselves and with others to A, get on a team if they're going for a team, or B, win. So uh, while the motivations of individual of an individual athlete have some both body and self-smart attributes, the motivation is what pings the people-smart person because that journey is often a great story. So we have, I have a link to um, a Psychology Today article about motivations of athletes. And I also have a link to a presentation of the Peabody Award in, I think it was 1996, uh, for a documentary called The American 
African-American athlete. It's just a little clip of the award being presented, but I bet you could go find that documentary, and that might be mm. an interesting thing to, uh, to look at, too. Um, I also have another video of a race and the motivation of some of the competitors. It was really kind of a, a, a thrill to find a Sesame Street episode with Mr. Rogers oh. as a guest star. <laughs> it was a wonderful crossover. So it's not really you know so much the race, but you do get the people smart elements there, particularly as you watch Mr. Rogers talk with Big Bird. Oh, man. Yeah, That's yeah. Gold oh, right yeah, there, totally, right? totally. So for a special effect, if you have any athletes, current or former, in your congregation, uh, ask them if they would be willing to talk about what motivates them to compete. Uh, what, what is their personal story? That will get your people smart there in droves. Mm -hmm. And if they come that day and aren't there usually, they will be happy they did. <laughs> <laughs> Another option for a special effect is to break into groups and discuss these questions. Uh, the first question, are you willing to dismiss your accomplishments as trash? And the original Greek word is a little more graphic. Mm -hmm. uh, are you willing to dismiss it as dung uh, because you know Jesus? Another question, do you think Paul is being over the top in this passage? Is he using hyperbole or is he being honest? Does mm. he really think all of that is just worth nothing? Or is he just making a point? So discuss that. Good question. Uh, how does using the image of an athlete straining toward a goal work as a metaphor for a Christian's life of discipleship? What other metaphor might work? Uh, what other categories ha have people working towards something uh, with body mm -hmm. and soul? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of dancers, for one thing, or mm -hmm. people who mm -hmm. were working to make their first million. Sure. Yeah. So... Uh, what other mo metaphors might work? Those are, that, that would be a, a, a lot of interesting discussion among your people. Um, give them plenty of time to work that one out. Cool. Let's go on. The psalm for year C, Lent 5, is Psalm 126. This is a psalm of ascents. And if I'm remembering correctly from the Bible study you did years back, the psalm of ascents are the ones that are sung as the people are gathering their pilgrimage their, psalms. Their pilgrimage psalms. Okay, so they're on yeah. their way to Jerusalem yeah. for these. Okay, so, which would make sense because the first uh, sentence is, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. It is a psalm that very briefly uh, rehearses what God has done for the people and how joyful they were for that. They asked God to continue to bless them and restore their fortunes. And we have a very famous phrase at the end of verse 6 that has become a hymn that uh, uh, for the church. Um, Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. So, bringing in the shoes. There's your music smart. That one? Yeah. <laughs> yes, bringing in the shoes. So the image from uh, this text is that the dire circumstances of the people are entirely transformed by the graciousness of God. The reversal of their fortunes is a complete 180. Um, so the idea is this psalm is a, is a recitation of what God has done that brings joy to the people. Uh, like maybe uh, as an illustration, it's the end of the war. So if you look at pictures or headlines mm. from the end of World War II around the world, you see lots of jubilant people. 
um, or the winning of a championship. You know, if you there's been a national championship, a sports team has won something, there's you know, a great deal of celebration that's happening in that particular city. On a smaller scale, it could be something like this. It's like moving into a new house. It's, you know, a sense of rejoicing for a family. Yay, we have a new home. Or a teenager being accepted into the college of his or her choice. Mm. Um, it's like meeting the new baby born to the member of a congregation when when that little one is first brought in and mom and dad are okay with everybody <laughs> passing the child around. It's like celebrating an anniversary or marking an important time in the life of a congregation. It's the smell of food being prepared for a congregational dinner or fellowship after worship. Um, so it's it's anything that brings people a sense of peace, of well-being, of this is a good place to be right now, and, and uh, a sense of wanting to share that with other people. For a special effect, use this psalm as an antiphonal call to worship. Divide your congregation in half. Instead of having it being the, the uh, worship leader and then the congregation responding, divide the congregation itself. Mm, mm-hmm. You could get really uh, detailed in that and divide not only left, right, but forward, backward, male, female, old, young. You know, there's not that many verses, so you're kind of limited. <laughs> but um, that is one way that you can do that. Uh, and, and kind of using the people smart thing is hearing the different voices of the different people in your in your congregation. Mm-hmm. And encourage them as they're doing this call to worship to remember times when truly joyful things have happened in their lives. You know, get that idea, they get that image, that memory fixed in their minds, and then start the reading so that they can use that joy that is within them at, in their voices as they participate in their in their uh, response. Method um, acting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and to add a visual or a kinesthetic element, eye or body smart, um, you could pass out flags or pom-poms to wave whenever the word joy or rejoice or laughter is used. And you could have it be a rally, have it be like a pep rally that starts your worship service that day. Cool. That sounds like fun. Well, for Math Smart, I was looking at verses one and four about restoring the fortunes. And I got to thinking if you had all your money in the stock market in October of 1929 during the Great Crash, uh, good chance you were wiped out completely. And many people were. Mm -hmm. So, um, sort of an internal uh, self smart. Kind of thing here, but imagining going from wealth enough to invest heavily to nothing. Mm, right. There's a little bit of that in the 2008 market crash here in the United yeah, States, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, it wasn't as widespread, but there were yeah. people that really got hit hard. Yeah. A lot of people got hit hard. There were a lot of people who were bankrupted, mm-hmm. though, in 29. Right. Right. So, right. Yeah, um, and that was national, or well, and then it had it national reper. Yeah, right, yeah. right. But then it had national consequences in twenty nine. Whereas right. in two thousand eight, it was a little more localized, and not as many people were hit. Yeah, if you didn't have anything, it didn't. If really you didn't matter. have anything in the market, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, so imagine after a period of suffering the results of that kind of deprivation that some Rockefeller comes along and gives you as much money as you had lost in the, in the crash with no strings attached. Hmm. So, (laughs) um, 
this, this is, is wobbly as far as math goes, except that you could maybe do a graph of it, which I didn't think of till just now. Um, you know, which which might help with that. So you know, do a graph of your assets from up here to down here to right. back up here. Hmm. Right. So right. your fortunes are restored. Similar scenarios would include getting swindled out of your life savings. Um, having your pension disappear when your former company goes under mm. or they just reorganize and cut your pension. Um, or discovering that someone has stolen your identity and run through all your cash and run up enormous debts in your name. Mm. Or getting overly enthusiastic in a bidding war with your older brother and his friend while playing Monopoly, <laughs> only to have them stop bidding when you've overreached your assets, bankrupting you and removing you from the game. No, I'm not still bitter about it. Shut up. <laughs> I'm surprised that didn't come through when we were playing Monopoly with the kids on Saturday yeah, at the I church. Yeah, I controlled myself. You know, it's like, all right, we'll play Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, there's a good bit of self-smart in all of that. But the idea of tracking your assets and and uh, uh, having your fortune reach zero and then and having restored. it restored. Hmm. So, Wow. Cool. Let's go on. The Old Testament lesson for year C, Lent 5, is Isaiah 43, verses 16 to 21. This is a passage where the Lord is making some remembrances and promises. It starts off, Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, etc. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I'm about to do a new thing, etc. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And I will give water to drink to my chosen people whom I have formed for myself so they can declare my praise. Interesting passage. And I, it took me a few times reading it to, before I kind of got the right sense of it um, and going back and reading some other stuff. But uh, so the, the first reference would be, um, I was thinking just, being out sailing on the sea, you know, it's like, no, <laughs> no, making the way through the sea, of course, is, is the, the, the path right. through the Red Sea for the crossing there. And then um, this is the return for the exiles mm -hmm. in the second half coming through the, the, the northern wilderness, I mm -hmm. guess. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, looking at it for math smart, um, making a way in the sea or the wilderness could pose some navigational headaches in the ancient world. Either way, and uh, this was this was my first take on that. So, <laughs> um, but just thinking about that, how do you make a way through the wilderness or a way on the sea when you don't you have don't any have navigational compass. tools, right? right? And the no the, compass, no landmarks. Yeah. You've got the well. Sun. You'd you'd have you'd have landmarks if you know them, right? But um, you if you don't know where you're if going, if you don't, right? That's a problem, right? So you have landmarks and astronomical knowledge, and that's mm -hmm. about it. Because the magnetic compass wasn't invented until around second, third century BCE. Whoa! Hey, Whoa. and uh, 
wasn't uh, it was known to have been used for navigation by by the Song dynasty and I found this on an article which I thought I had linked who I didn't link that I barely linked that um, uh, about the history of the compass right so uh, so anyway the Song dynasty was uh, 960 to 1279 common era so that's, many, many, many years later. Yeah, like a thousand years mm-hmm. difference there. So mm-hmm. somewhere in there, they figured out, hey, instead of just using this as a parlor trick, we could <laughs> we could Use actually it. find yeah. things, yeah. Right? find out where we are. So you could bring in a navigational compass or display one, if, if that works better, and talk about God's ability to make a way through uncharted places. Hmm. Uh, it's it's a little weak on math, I admit. Um, it's but, an interesting people smart one, though, too. God but, navigating through relationships. Well, yeah, I didn't actually say relationships. No, you, you did, didn't. But. I'm just jumping on that because I'm doing people smart this week, and right. so I'm I'm stealing that. Yeah, well, you know that's how <laughs> that's how we roll. Um, but it, it is kind of mathy for science and right, innovation right. and technology and right. stuff like that. So. Um, the other way of looking at this, and this actually comes out in our previous episode on this text, is that it's a mirrored reflection mm-hmm. in the text. So in the first part, you have uh, God making a dry path through the waters, mm-hmm. and in the second half, he's bringing rivers into the desert. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, similar construct, but diff- uh, but mirror image, as it were. So for another science connection, you could use concave mirrors to produce an inverted image. That would be like the, the mirrored inversion in the text. Mm-hmm. Um, if, and th- so that would be like a shaving mirror or a makeup mirror. Those are concave. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you can't get your hands on one of those, but you might be able to on a double convex lens, like a magnifying glass, that would also work. Um, so at the right distance, you produce the in- inverted image. Mm-hmm. And I've got a couple videos linked here that talk about the the uh, physics of reflected images. It goes into more depth than you would want to use for your <laughs> sermon, but you'll get a good, un- good enough understanding of it that you could uh, then talk about what's happening with those images. You, you could, and if you use that for your sermon, you could start out playing with that, you know, with the inverted image and, and then move to the scripture passage talking about right, how yeah, God yeah. inverted this. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. As I said, I borrowed that inspiration from the Nature Smart uh, element in 2016, hmm. um, but here, uh, math for the science and also iSmart for the props. And you would, so you could either just talk about it or do it as a special effect. Okay. How about People Smart? Well, for People Smart, I, I, what I really saw that stood out as a People Smart passage is verse 21 the people whom I formed for myself so they might declare my praise. Um, I have extended quotes both from Howard Wallace, who is an Old Testament professor in Australia, and from an article called The Unasked Question from. Uh, myjewishlearning.com. Um, and in this particular article from uh, My Jewish Learning, the unasked question, the unasked question is the question of why, why are we, why, essentially, why, why did the exile happen? Why, 
why were the people who were, you know, trying to live their best life in Israel at the time, why'd they get beat up and hauled off to a foreign country? Why? Why did this happen? Um, and the author of this passage goes on to talk about the fact that it was a sense, uh, in a sense, it was for them to understand and appreciate freedom and being a free people. Quoting from, from the article, freedom in the biblical sense, responsible self-restraint, hmm. is not natural. Uh, to the contrary, the natural order in human societies, as it is in the animal kingdom, is that the strong prey on and dominate the weak. Nothing is rarer or harder to achieve than a society of equal dignity for all. Merely to conceive it requires a massive disengagement from nature. The Torah tells us how this was achieved through the historical experience of a people who would ever afterwards be the carriers of God's message to humankind. So the experience of exile, the experience of having freedom taken away, the experience of having freedom taken away in the slavery, the, the period of slavery in Egypt is a reminder to the people of what it's like not to be their own autonomous sovereign beings, of being oppressed, of being enslaved, and for God to work for them to write that, to change that, is a way for them to sing praise to God who did that for them because God did not forget them. Hmm. Uh, the article goes on to say that Israel had to lose its freedom before it could cherish it. That's interesting. I, I'm uh, thinking nerdy in the Star Trek movie reboots. Yeah. In 2009, you have uh, Jim Kirk becoming captain of the Enterprise at the, at the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. In the next movie, Into Darkness... Um, he, he goes on a, a mission and just bollocks it up uh, by stomping all over the prime directive. Mm -hmm. And he gets removed as captain. Right. And Pike, Captain Pike tells him, you didn't respect the chair. And, oh, that is an excellent illustration. Thank you. Yeah. And so he gets bumped down to first officer or something right. and um, has to earn his way back into the I'm have to watch chair. that second movie again. Yeah, yeah, that is a very good illustration. And yeah. that's a very excellent people smart illustration too of using a movie and a drama and a story to, yeah. to, yeah. Uh, to look at that. Cool. Yeah, it is a little nerdy, but... It works, but yeah. well, I mean, that might spark an idea of a movie or a story that you might be familiar with of right, somebody where, yeah. losing their status and having to earn it back or losing something that they took for granted and only when it's gone, they appreciate it. Sort of like Scarlet in Gone oh, with the Wind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She never appreciated Tara until it was almost lost yeah. from her. Yeah. Good. Excellent. Uh, so for a special effect, questions for reflection for small groups. <laughs> so as a people, what former things of old do we remember and why do we remember them? Do they carry an emotional load for us? Are we stuck on them? Or is keeping the things of old in our mind our way of identifying ourselves? Why mm. is that identity mm -hmm. important and how has that identity been misremembered? Mm. Or is it possible God is trying to present a new identity that we are blocking by refusing to let go of our old one. And how does this declare God's praise? Mm. And then finally, what old thing is God presenting in a new way? That's it for today's podcast. 
Please ask questions or leave us a comment on our website, www.morethanhearing.org, or at facebook.com slash morethanhearing, or tweet us at morethanhearing, or email us at connect at morethanhearing.org. If you tried any of these suggestions, or maybe got an idea that you like even better than ours, please let us know what you did and how it went. We would love to hear how using this theory has made a difference in your preaching and worship. Remember to check out the show notes, worksheets, links, and resources at our website. They go hand in glove with the podcast and give you lots more material to work with. Don't forget to subscribe using the links on the website for iTunes, Google Play, Android, or good old RSS. Or point your podcatching software at morethanhearing.org slash feed slash podcast. Help others find us more easily by writing a review at the iTunes store. And of course, you can always share the show with your friends and colleagues. We'll be back with another episode next week. So in the meantime, stay subscribed and be smart. Good production.